This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. John chapter 15. And let's go ahead and stand together for the reading of the scripture. I'm excited about talking about prayer because I think God wants to reinforce the same theme for continual Sundays, continuous Sundays, so the seed of the word can go ahead and get a little deeper in the soil of our heart. Sometimes we hit a subject and move to the next subject, and we don't have proper time to meditate and to just let that teaching sink into our hearts, and so that is why we're continuing this theme, because God wants us to be people of prayer, and I want you to know that every one of you, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you are a person of prayer. Prayer is not just for some people. To become a Christian, you had to pray, because Jesus said that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, then you'll be saved. So you started your walk with the Lord as a person of prayer. So every single one of you is a person of prayer. And the scripture is going to encourage us today. John chapter 15, starting with verse six. If anyone does not remain in me, excuse me, let's start in verse five. John 15, starting, actually let's start in verse four. Okay, there we go. So now, Reset. We're in John chapter 15, starting with verse four. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus talking now. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Verse six, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the scripture today. And I thank you that we're going to look at the scripture and we're going to grow today. And forgive us if we have pride to think that we can't grow today. Like this service is, we're above this service, we're above this sermon. God, humble us so that we would be receptive to what you have to say. Because Jesus, you're truth in your word always produces the spiritual life that we need. So we position our hearts and I want you to just position your heart to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Don't decide in your heart that you already know where this is going or that you already have this subject mastered. That's a subtle form of pride. and The Lord wants you to be receptive today because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you uh, if you're open to that. So we do that. We open ourselves up to the good things of the Lord and his word. And we ask that you would use this teaching today, use this scripture to make us stronger. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. You probably understand this. Parenting is just tough sometimes. We have a hard time finding that balance between spurring our children on to independence and helping them to discover new opportunities 
or sometimes we protect them too much. I kind of tend to lean towards the independent thing. I, I like to put my kids in situations that stretch them, put them in situations that cause them to have new experiences, and Beth's a little more protective, and so we kind of balance each other out. Uh, but I've, uh, because of that, my kids have developed in some areas rather quickly, and that's been positive. But also because of that, I've had some really bad parenting moments. Some things I won't share with all of you, some things that I've done. Uh, a few years ago, actually it was two years ago, uh, my daughter was 12 years old. She's my oldest, my firstborn, the one I get to experiment on parenting with. And we, all, we went to lunch after church in one car, came back to the church, and the boys were going to ride with Beth, and Abby was going to ride with me. So Beth and the boys took off, and me and Abby are in the car, and I just had this moment of insanity, I looked at this little 12-year-old precious girl and said, you want to learn how to drive? (laughs) Well, of course she said yes. You know, she said yes. And so, you know, we start kind of on this part of the building, if you can imagine, outside of that exit sign there. And, And we go this way and come around. And she really was an excellent driver. She's always been a high achieving child. And so she's pretty much driving better than me on the second, you know, turnaround. Well, one of the things that happens here are fine police officers in Hendersonville. We, we like this. They hang out in, at the church at Indian Lakes parking lot a lot. I think because it's right in the middle of the city and they can listen to what they need to do without all of you stopping and asking them where the Walmart is and things of that nature. They could actually, you know, have law enforcement thoughts. And so they kind of hang out, you know, in our parking lot. So as we drive here and then down here and around the square and I come around the corner, it would be my luck that one of the police officers is just sitting there watching my little 12 year old girl drive. And so he rolls down the window and he has me stop and he says, roll down your window. And he just says in a very kind of scolding way. How old is she, sir? Well, it's never good to lie, but I mean, come on. I mean, I'm in the church parking lot. I mean, I mean, there, I said 12. And so he, he goes on and he says, uh, you know, and he's doing this job and he says, I don't think it's a little young, isn't it, to start that out. And I, I don't, I, I guess that the people who run this church probably wouldn't appreciate you using their parking lot this way. So I told him, I said, well, I have some connections here, you know. <laughs> so th- that wasn't my finest parenting moment. But the, the, the situation is this. Our definition of maturity in the natural is for people to gain independence, especially our children. So I'm mourning that my children are leaving. Again, I can sense time ticking. But I don't want them necessarily to be 40 and still be living with me necessarily long term. I know there's transition times that happen and all that, but I'd like for them to go on and go on with life. So maturity and the sign of maturity is independence. Now in the spiritual realm, it's the opposite. It's kind of counterintuitive because the sign of spiritual maturity with God is not independence, but dependence. Here's my first observation about the promises of prayer and understanding what the promises of prayer is. God desires our dependence. God wants us to be dependent on him. We read the scripture earlier, but we can look at it on the screen again because 
It's so powerful and we need to assimilate this scripture into our lives. Remain in me, Jesus said, John 15 verse four, and and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I mean, look at this phrase right here. Guys, this is something we we need to understand in our lives. I know this, that we can engineer in the natural, engineer change and engineer behavior, but the kind of eternal fruit that God wants only comes through prayer. It only comes through abiding with the Lord. We we have to be people of prayer. And I know this, I've been preaching now for 25 years. And I know that, I've preached before without an adequate amount of prayer and prayer life. And I gave pretty good speeches then. I mean, because I can communicate. But life change doesn't happen without prayer. Other times, you've seen me like stumble and fumble and mispronounce words. Like last week, I had a real doozy last week. Um, You've seen me like almost fall off the stage a couple of weeks ago. Like it was like the most serious moment of my sermon. And I kind of like fall off the stage and not all of you saw that, but it was very humbling to me. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not always the smoothest, uh, this all-star type of preacher, but through prayer, what happens is this, is when you guys are encouraging me or giving me feedback on the sermon, you'll say, man, God spoke that part of the sermon. And when you said this, it went right to my heart. I'm thinking, I didn't know I said that. At least if I said it, I'm not smart enough or wise enough to know that's what you need. What is it? It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And where does the Holy Spirit, how does he do his work? He does his work in response to our prayers. So it is, I think a lot of us preachers, we're gonna get to heaven and we're gonna think that we're such great communicators and we're gonna realize the fruitfulness in our ministry that is eternal came from the prayer meeting. I know that there's been some sermons that have happened here in this building that people like Darlene Taylor and and people like B.J. Christopher and Ed and Andrea Allmeyer and people who come early and pray before church, the fruitfulness of this ministry comes through prayer. That's what John 15's about. If you hang out with Jesus, if you're a person who understands the presence of Jesus and gets in the presence of Jesus, fruitfulness is gonna happen in your life. That's why Satan doesn't want us to pray and that's why God wants us to pray. And so it is, listen, this call to prayer, this call to prayer is a call to fruitfulness in our life. And we have no idea what God can do when our hearts are completely submitted to him. God desires our dependence. Speaking of parenting, you know, Abby, again, I'll tell another Abby story. Uh, My firstborn child, I had to practice parenting on her parenting principles. So uh, when she was in kindergarten, I found out about the Thanksgiving dinner that kids have at school. This is a big deal here in Sumner County. When I was a kid, we had our Thanksgiving dinner at school because our parents were not there. So we'd have it with our friends. And then the fourth Thursday of November, we'd have it with our family. That's the way it's supposed to work. But nowadays, 
You, you have the Thanksgiving dinner and parents and grandparents have to make reservations. And it's like a big family communal affair. Like everyone shows up with parents or grandparents and has this Thanksgiving dinner. So I went that first year and it was exactly like it was when I was in elementary school and subsequently junior high and all that. I mean, it was a bad piece of turkey <laughs> with this gravy that's like fluorescent yellow. I mean, it's amazing. I, I don't know. This gravy could glow in the dark if they could. And, and so here it is, and you go, and, and then you have to kind of find, try to find a place to sit, but it's kids' seats, and so you don't really fit on the chairs. And then, you know, the child says hello to you, but then they're back with their, their friends, and then you have to small talk with parents you don't really know that well. And just the whole thing is a little ridiculous to me. It's like, let the kids have Thanksgiving dinner with each other and we'll see them on Thanksgiving. Works out that way. So that was my experience with child number one. Child number two, I get the same memo. Make your reservation for Thanksgiving dinner. So I'm thinking, yeah, I think I'll pass on this. That's what I was thinking. So Beth, you know, asked me one night, she's like, are you going to Luke's Thanksgiving dinner? I was like, eh, probably not. And when she said that, she... <gasps> All of a sudden, oxygen left the room and her eyes got this big around. You would have thought that I was like planning to abuse my child or abandon them for life. She went, what? You're not going to the Thanksgiving dinner? So I felt a little on the hook at that point. So I kind of, oh yeah, yeah, of course I'm going. Yeah, make me a reservation. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, my second child, Luke, he's sitting over here in the plaid shirt. Up to that point, anytime I was at elementary school, he didn't acknowledge I existed. It was like, I'm his dad. It's like stranger danger. He just looks at me and looks the other way. So I'm thinking, all right, I've got my son snobbing me. I've got the turkey dinner that's disgusting. I don't fit on the chair. There's no way I'm going, but because I don't want my wife to think I'm a bad dad, yes, I'm gonna go to this thing. So I'm making plans. I sign up, I make the reservation. And then to my surprise, Luke comes to me the night before and said, dad, he asked me, are you gonna be at my Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow? I'm like, do you want me to go, son? And he just nodded his head. Yeah, he didn't say yes or no. He just, you know, cool Luke, just gave me the nod up and down. I was planning to go anyway, but when he asked me to go, wow, it did something to my heart. I would have missed that for the world. There would have been nothing more important to me than to go because he asked. Here's the second observation on prayer. Listen, God is glorified when we ask, he wants us to ask. God wants us to bring our request to him. And I just think it gives him great pleasure because prayer is very relational. Prayer is our father listening to us. And it delights his heart when we have the humility to come before him and ask him to intervene in the situation. As we're looking at the scripture again, verse seven and eight, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, can I tell you, this is the part of the verse we don't emphasize. The part we like is the second part. Ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Isn't that a great part of the verse? Anything you want, anything you want, like a genie, ask anything you want and it'll be done for you. But look at the first part, if you remain in me, and my word remains in you. This is the idea of relationship, of communion with God, of fellowship with God, of sustaining a relationship with him. 
And so it is, if you're in relationship with God, then you become more like him as far as reflecting his glory. Therefore, you don't ask for things to cause you to become more prideful. You don't ask for things to cause you to participate in more sin. You don't ask for fame. When you get to know the Lord, then you're, you're asking for him to intervene so he gets the glory. So Jesus is bigger in your life. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now here's the, the, the reinforcing part to my point. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So here's the deal. When we pray and when we ask, God's glorified through that. He is. God is glorified when we ask and when we pray. This is one of the reasons why we believe in the prayer of agreement. The scripture is very clear that God listens to anyone who prays. And praying by yourself is a good thing, a personal devotion. But praying together, there's something powerful when we pray together. The prayer of agreement. The prayer of one person is effective, but the prayer of two or three is even more effective. And so one of the things that we offer most weeks is we offer prayer partners. I'll be here at the front here in a few minutes and then other pastors and prayer partners are on the back wall. And frankly, I don't think our church has learned yet how to take advantage of that because we don't understand the principle behind it. See, here's the deal. We're not like asking for prayer requests as if to say, come to us, the experts, and we shall pray for you, young children of the Lord. No, we understand the power of agreement. Now, this is why, this is why praying together is so powerful. Because if I pray by myself, I may get the glory for it. Like, hey, I prayed about this and God loves me. I'm God's favorite. He answered my prayer. But if I go to Pastor Matt, I say, Matt, will you pray with me about this situation? And we go and we pray together and we come into agreement. Jesus gets the glory. <laughs> it takes away the pride. All of a sudden, we're not relying on ourselves and our devotional life and our prayer time. No, Chip and I, we're coming into agreement and we're praying together. And together, when God answers the prayer, he gets the credit. He gets the glory. That's what's the power of that. Answered prayer is to glorify God. And it brings God great glory when we have the humility to ask. The humility to say, God, I want your leadership in my life. I, I want your involvement I want you to be part of this issue. I want you to be, give me the wisdom. And I, I believe that every part of our life, we, we can include God. Here's the reason why, here's the third point. God loves to answer prayer. Some of us need to be reminded of that today because prayer has been associated with guilty emotions. I've said this every week, but I'll reinforce this. An easy, easy sermon to preach is, hey, you people don't pray enough. You know why? Because you don't, and neither do I. That, that's easy. That's easy to preach that sermon. So prayer has incorrectly been associated with a lot of guilt. Like, you know, we don't pray enough, and because we don't pray enough, it's our, all this, and so it's never enough, and so we just kind of give up. We just kind of give up and say, well, I'm not, I'm never gonna pray like the pastor wants me to. I'm never gonna pray like someone else I know, so we just are gonna give up. And nonsense, that's not... 
That's not the motivator. That's not what the Lord wants. Prayer is an invitation. I mean, you have before you an invitation this week. And at any moment, you can call upon the name of the Lord and he'll be there. Isn't that great that you don't have to wait till next Sunday to have another experience with the presence of God because the presence of God is as close as the mention of his name. I mean, he is with you. Any place, any time, call upon his name and he'll be there with you. And so there's this invitation that's set before you, brothers and sisters, and that invitation is to pray. You're all people of prayer as believers. We all prayed together earlier in the service when we read the prayer that came from the Book of Common Prayer and prayer that's been prayed for centuries from other believers being prayed all over the world by believers all over the world today. And we prayed it together. We all prayed this. God loves to answer those prayers. And I want you to get a different picture in your mind of God. God who is anxiously awaiting, not that he has any anxiety in him, he has no need, but he's chosen for us to ask. And he has chosen by his sovereign will to respond when we ask. And he loves to answer prayer. And I'll say this is God loves to answer all types of prayers. And I don't think there should be any area of our life that we exclude God. So we say, well, I'm gonna pray about the big issues of world peace, but I'm not gonna pray about what kind of car I, I should select when I'm buying a car. I'm gonna pray about world hunger, but I'm not going, going to pray about um, where we go on vacation this year. I don't think we should categorize prayer like that. I think prayer should be part of everything we do. But I do wanna say this, and this is something God is teaching me right now. And I'm gonna share this with you out of my weakness, not out of the strength. God loves it when we pray for people who are lost. This is something the Spirit's convicting me of right now. God loves to answer prayers when we pray for those who are lost. And we simply, Aaron, doesn't pray for the lost enough. But I have in the past, and in retrospect, you know, go ahead and, and you test it. You begin to pray for someone in your life who doesn't know the Lord and see what God does. He loves to answer that prayer. The old book, The Kneeling Christian, has influenced me, has influenced the sermon. And here's a quote that's wrecking me from that. Let every one of us ask on our knees this question. If no one on earth prayed for the salvation of sinners more fervently or more frequently than I do, how many of them would be, would be converted to God through prayer? What a sentence. If no one on earth prayed for the salvation of sinners more fervently, more frequently than I do, how many of them would be converted to God through prayer? So it's that invitation for us, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the Lord. So we pray for those who are lost and then we help those prayers become reality by witnessing and by being a light, and by giving to missions by having, having ministries like Young Life come to Hendersonville. Daniel and Brittany Becker wave to us right there. These guys are reaching lost high school students at Hendersonville High School at Merrill Hyde Magnet School. Hope, hope we can go to every school in Sumner County if the Lord helps us. A ministry targeted for kids who don't know the Lord. You know that they will not be effective if there's not prayer. 
These guys are talented, they're funny, they're good speakers, they love kids, all, they have all the characteristics of a good young life director. But without prayer, there won't be the fruit that God wants them to have. God loves to answer our prayers and he has done that. A few years ago, uh, we, we had an issue with our ladies' Bible study that meets on Tuesday mornings. Let me just real quick tell you about something. Let me just give you like a little commercial. We have a ladies' Bible study that meets on Tuesday mornings and Tuesday evenings, and they're both open to you. They were both well attended this, this week, so check them out. But we also have a new one that meets Thursdays. Pastor Deborah meets with people here at the church. It's a brand new study, so if you have not been part of one, come on Thursday and help launch that. You can be part of the team that launches that third teaching and prayer point for women. But a few years ago, we were having this women's Bible study on Tuesday mornings, and it has a lot of our church mothers who attend this, godly women. You know, they're serious about the Bible. They're serious about their workbooks. They're serious about their snacks and the heat of their coffee and all that kind of stuff. And they're also, I, I hear you, I hear you over there. They're also, the deal is we had like this old temperamental TV that they'd watch their videos on. And this TV was, I mean, you know, you'd have to kind of like hit it on its side and warm it up. And then someone brought their DVD player. And so they would bring that DVD player and there had to be a staff member present to make sure, hit the TV just right, make sure it started. And then to help plug it in right. And it was just a hassle. Every Tuesday, you'd forget about it. And so Matt or Deborah, I think David may have been part of this back then. It's like, what? oh man, what, we have to get the women's Bible study together. I hope the TV works. You know, I hope there's the right wire you know, to plug it in. And there was just a lot of angst. You know, there was just a lot of tension. Now, here's what leaders do. And this is what I love about being a leader. Leaders, we love to solve problems. And we don't like for people just to dump their problems on us. But when there's a problem and that needs to be solved, let's find a solution. Listen, I don't want to talk about a problem, overanalyze it, sulk in it, complain. I want to solve it, right? So finally, we came to the point where this was becoming an issue and looked at the church budget, talked to the treasurer. We had plenty of money. So someone went out and bought a new TV, flat screen TV and a DVD player hooked it up permanently, and there it was. These ladies showed up that Tuesday morning, and you would have thought that the captives from Babylon had returned to Zion because there was joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, it was like, whoa, the TV house. I mean, these ladies were so happy, and everyone was smiling and laughing and and hugging and high-fiving, and I felt better about myself. And then I thought... I thought, how dumb of me as a leader. I should have bought this weeks ago. I mean, solve the problem. That's what leaders do. Leaders solve problems. And as a leader, I love to identify a problem, find a solution, and to see how much joy it brings to people. When leaders lead well, it blesses the people. And there's joy. And that's satisfying. I think this. I think that those of us who have had that experience, and I think all of you have, on further reflection, you'll think about a time that your leadership helped bring joy to people. That is a way we emulate God's characteristics. God governs in such a way when we're under his lordship, it brings joy to the people. So here's the last point today. The last point is this. God gives us joy 
through answered prayer. God gives us joy through answered prayer. We've been bouncing around the book of John 14 and 15 and 16. The same theme keeps reoccurring, but let's look at verse, chapter 16, verse 23. John 16, 23. This is Jesus speaking once again. I assure you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Here's the reason why. You see it on the screen. So that your joy may be complete. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you in this. There is answered prayer in your future. I'm not giving you empty promise based off my strength or my special knowledge from the Lord. I'm revealing to you the characteristic of your father. And if you abide in him and then he's abiding in you and you pray in the name of Jesus, it's his joy to answer prayer. And he wants to see joy in your life. And part of the reason he's going to answer prayer in your life is so that he will be glorified. We've already established that. God gets the glory from answered prayer, but you get the joy. And when we begin to see only God could do this, only God could cause this breakthrough to happen. Only God could set us free from that situation. Only God could bring his presence to that situation. Then then we'll truly worship him. So here's a good prayer for us to meditate before we go to our time of prayer is in Ephesians chapter, chapter four, chapter three, excuse me. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in you, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever Amen. This was written centuries ago, and we're the beneficiaries of this. We're part of that blessing that's been passed down through every generation, and I am anticipating the coming of the Lord. But if the coming of the Lord does not happen for centuries, we don't know that that's in the wisdom of the Lord. If it's hundreds of years from now, hundreds of years from now, the people of God will be enjoying the presence of God because God has the ability to do more than what we can even ask or imagine, yet he tells us to ask. He tells us to ask because when we ask, he gets the glory and we get the joy. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. We've got these last few minutes intentionally designed for you because I wanna give you a chance to respond to the teaching we've had the last couple of weeks a chance to respond to the Lord. Here in a moment, I'm gonna be standing right here. And if you wanna pray with me, I'll be available. Then some of our other pastors and prayer partners will be at that back left wall. So some of you need to just have the prayer of agreement today. Communion is available to your right, to your left. Also, there's two communion tables in the back. You don't have to take communion, but it's available if you want to. I won't give further instructions on that, but if you're a believer in Jesus, you can take communion by yourself, or you can take it with people you love. Uh, either way, but that's available to you. Some of us just need to spend some time uh, connecting with the Lord. But we're going to have a time of prayer, and we're going to all start praying here in a moment, either together or individually or through the song Beth will lead us in. And then what's going to happen is I'm going to come and just in a few minutes and give our benediction. 
which closes our scheduled time together. But here's what's gonna happen. When I come up in a few minutes to close this service, prayer is not going to stop. So we're gonna start a prayer time and then it's not going to end because the scripture tells us to pray continuously, to never cease in prayer because prayer is relational. Prayer is about friendship. And you're gonna pray. If you have to go to the store today and go shopping, the spirit of God will be with you when you're buying groceries for the week ahead. If you're gonna watch football this afternoon and tonight, the spirit of God will be with you. If you're gonna be, our students are gonna be at the Shalom Zone tomorrow on MLK Day. They're gonna be serving in the projects of Gallatin in honor of that day and in honor of Dr. King's legacy. And the Spirit will be with them. The Spirit's gonna be with you Tuesday afternoon. So we're gonna, we're about to open up in prayer, but the prayer's not gonna stop because we're people of prayer and everyone's called to pray. God, so now we open this time of prayer. Uh, we believe that your presence is here. You're teaching us to pray. And Father, we submit to you in Jesus' name, we pray. The table of the Lord's open. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 